Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Svedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hey, everybody, this is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome back to another edition of Marnie's Friends. We are going to have a great program for you today here on food training, how to align your intake with your goals. And our guest today is Judith Helm-Wright. She is Auntie Artichoke to many. She's a wise woman with a global message, and she writes best-selling books and speaks internationally on respect, resiliency, and responsibility. During this hour, you are going to learn how to identify the underlying causes of your extra pounds, how to maximize pivotal pain points in your life, how to choose the best process for you when you want to take some pounds off, how to set reasonable goals, establish ongoing motivation, master your mind with mantras, establish a realistic exercise routine, and start with maintenance in mind. So with that, we'd like to welcome our guest today. Hi, Judy. Welcome to you. Good good afternoon, Marnie. Uh, in Montana, it was, I almost said morning, but it isn't. It's afternoon. We made it into the afternoon of today. Yeah, we <laughs> That's did. That's great. You. And you are Montana. Hi, Minnesota. So we got the M thing going on here. We're covering here we the northern do. part of the states anyway. Um, but I think that everybody around the whole world can relate to sometimes having some pounds that need to come off. And you actually have a lot of pounds that came off. I did in in my past, and um, that's written up in in one of my blog posts called the third. Uh, let's see, the best or the second half of my life. That's what it is. When I decided, you know what, I'm sick of doing this, and I made a decision to take them off, and I took 100 pounds off, 100 and, have, pounds. and have never gone back. And I think it's interesting that now, when I look in the mirror, I think, oh yeah, that's what my spirit looked like all along. Oh, I'm so with you there. It's interesting because that's the, that's my goal number. It's 100 pounds, and I'm uh, making good progress toward that. But uh, when I when I think about myself too, I even I, even though I have some of that weight left to lose, I do think of myself as the thinner person. I know that we all have a healthy thin person inside of us somewhere that wants to <laughs> wants to come out and play. <laughs> yeah, and I go ahead. I think our our spirit manifests itself to us. Um, I think when I was real heavy, I actually would be surprised to see myself in photos. And and now, as we look back, um, my family says, well, who was that? I I can't even imagine that was you. And I never saw you that heavy. And I said, well, see? I think it because my spirit wasn't that heavy. My That's spirit so was... Yeah, a lot yeah. of people have said that to me uh, too. I I don't see you like that. Even even how I am even now, they will say right. I'm, I don't see you as extra heavy or I don't see you that way. Right? It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, we want to uh, we want to help people understand today. There's so many of um, I'm going to include the word me. Uh, there's so many of us uh, that really are just trying still to figure out how to get from where we are to where we want to go. And mm-hmm. I, I'm so excited to have you on with us today because you've actually made it where you wanted to go and you've maintained that, which is no easy accomplishment either. Um, getting it off is one thing and keeping it off is a whole other thing. Uh, so maybe when you when you think overall, I'm going to have you give maybe your last piece of advice first and then we're going to go forward, but when you think overall back to your whole story of taking it off and now keeping it off for many years, what do you feel like was the biggest, individual component to your success well and and marnie it's exactly the same component to every single success in life and that's a decision Mm -hmm. because we so often so often people don't make a decision they fall into default and when we were raising our children, and we have six adult children and foster kids and all sorts of stuff, and I do a lot of work in early education, and I, I don't let people get away with saying, um, I don't know, or maybe, or I'll try. And I say, no, 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 no. All success begins with a decision, either yes 
or no? And if you say, I'll try, that pretty much says, well, I'll try it for three days, or I'll try it until it gets hard, or I'll try it um, until something else comes along, or I'll I'll try it if it says miracle on the bottle. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and so I really do think not only um, success in losing weight and keeping it off, success in writing books, success in raising kids, it all begins with that decision. When you get up in the morning and you say, okay, that's it, no more. I I don't like that. I don't want, that isn't who I am. That isn't in alignment with who my spirit is. I'm not going to do that anymore. And then you just make that decision. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about let's talk about some of the reasons why we carry extra weight, and some of these are so obvious. A few of them are not quite so obvious, but the first one is just that we're eating too much. When you um, when you think about your daily intake now, maintaining your new weight, um, how does it compare to what you were doing before when you were bigger? Well, for <laughs> I, I probably eat about oh, I would say about a third what I used to eat and one of the reasons that I was heavy was I was rather than um, you know rather than saying things or rather than speaking up for myself or or when your kids are instead of saying hey you know setting boundaries I would eat the rest of their macaroni and cheese so it was um, it was silly things that that my brain knew, but my self, my subconscious went ahead and did it. And and when I decided to lose weight, my husband needed to lose some, and we said, well, let's do what we should have been doing all along, and we divide an entree. And sometimes it's half and half, and sometimes we're using our fork to see who gets the last bite. <laughs> but you, I eat about um, a third, in fact, today after yoga we got a ham, sal- a ham salad sandwich on our way out of the yoga studio, and we cut it in quarters. And um, we, each, uh, we each ate a quarter, and then I had two bites of my quarter, uh, of my next quarter, and I gave it to him. And he was, he was completely satisfied with that. And I was too. And there were, before... We would have each eaten a ham salad sandwich, and I would have stuck my finger in the bowl and licked it. And you know the mm-hmm. the um, the mindless ways we take our intake when when we're not thinking about what we're doing. But one quarter and one bite was plenty. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how much uh, food we're consuming. There's actually a, a program on um, YouTube. It's it's done in the UK, and it's uh, the skinnies against the heavyweights, and they show mm-hmm. they have a tube. Have you seen it? They have a tube uh, for each of them, and they g- keep track of these little teeny weeny uh, like you know with people with eating disorders and just a little tiny mm-hmm. amount that they're eating per day, and then they have a heavyweight as someone who's carrying excess pounds, and they had them keep track of what they ate for a whole week, and they put it all, they actually take the food and they put it all in a tube, and they show you how much food is in that tube. And it's astounding um, the difference between someone who's eating too little and someone who's eating too much. And, of course, what we want to do is be in the middle there. But food has become um, excessive or, you know, uh, too little, depending on which side of the, the scale we're on. And that's what we're talking about today is how to get back to some balance. Another thing that's def- directly affecting people's extra poundage is inactivity, uh, not enough activity. When you were um, when you were losing weight, what did you change as far as your activity went? Well, for one thing, I my activity was not uh, structured at all. It was like whatever, running after kids or carpool or doing whatever. And when I decided to get serious and really get in touch with my body so that um, I, never wanted, I never wanted skinny. I think skinny is obscene. I, I think calling someone skinny is like calling them fat. That's an insult. But I wanted flexible. 
That was what I wanted, was healthy and flexible. And um, now we do yoga twice a week and love it, love it. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get my head into exercise because it was hard and it was sweaty and I, I, I thought I was going to die and I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> But I really, really enjoy yoga. Marnie, I want to go back to intake for just a minute because there's something I need to share with you. My husband and I live in Missoula, Montana, and so we use, use, in my business, I use a lot of interns, but we also consider that part of our um, job in the community to mentor young people. So we have a lot of international students that come to our home for dinner, and, and we take them out to see various plays and different things. And so we were talking to a group one night who were from uh, Switzerland, Pakistan, um, France, and two from Ireland. And we were saying, what is the number one, what is the number one thing that you noticed about America? Universally, they said, you eat so much mm-hmm. and and the young man from Switzerland and we were at a restaurant and he mm-hmm. had gotten a sandwich a, a regular sandwich and uh, with two great big halves and he said this amount of food could would feed my whole family all day right and he said and yet because I've been in America and I've been hanging around with you Yanks you know he said I'm going to eat it all yeah I don't need it now, here's the other part of that conversation that's interesting. We said, yikes. And I, he, and I said, so what is the best thing about America? And do you know what they all said in unison? Hmm. Ranch dressing. <laughs> we don't have ranch dressing in, wow. in other countries. I didn't know that. But, but they all said, we would be so happy with a half of that sandwich if we had some ranch dressing on it. The ranch. <laughs> yeah. A little so, ranch goes a long way. <laughs> yeah, it does. That's I great. That, That's great. I think that intake is, um, huge. It's, it's huge. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to kind of combine these two now, the activity and intake for me personally. Um, I've always been an exerciser. I love to exercise. I just, I used to. Really? Uh, yeah, I used to manage health clubs when I was single, and um, I had a fitness business of my own, and I loved exercise. And aerobics and weightlifting and all that is really fun for me. So, But what I found was that even though I was exercising faithfully, I was not losing weight. I had to adjust my intake. That was huge for me. And so um, somebody listening might be saying, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really active. I'm doing a lot. It, then you have to address the intake or some of these other things we're going to talk about in a minute here. But um, for for me, what what I like to do is I swim. My husband and I swim together three mornings a week, and then the other two mornings I go and run on a elliptical, and that's because I want to. I love that. So um, everybody, and we're going to talk about a little bit about this in, in a bit here too, but you have to find what works for you. And I'm so glad yep. that you, Judy, mentioned yoga because that sounds like, and I actually, I actually have people, my sister and my daughter both do uh, yoga-type workouts, and they love them. And my sister's been doing them for years, and she has just a great body. And you, people don't think they're very hard, but actually they're really working you. <laughs> they're giving you a very good overall body workout, um, and it's non-stressful, so it's so great that way. Let's talk about um, sleep deprivation, too. If um, if people are not getting enough sleep, that can be a cause uh, for un- for for gaining weight too. You you really sleep is so important to the body. It helps the body uh, metabolize properly and heal properly. Pollution is another one. Um, there's actually um, pol- pollutants that affect hormones, and hormones are what control our body weight. We have medicines. Anybody that's been on um, uh, well, and there are medical. Too one of our daughters has polycystic ovary. Yeah, I can't remember what the last thing is, but it causes her to retain weight around right. her belly. Right. And so it's just no matter how much she exercises, no matter how much she diets, no matter whatever, she's going to have a poochy belly. That just yeah. goes along with that particular syndrome. 
Right. There, there's a uh, home and work environment. I want to I want to spend a couple minutes on these last two: home and work environment and support. Um, in your home environment, and, and I'm, I'm kind of jumping over these mill three: the sleep deprivation, the pollutants, and the medicines, because you know if that's you, and you know if there's something you can do about that. <laughs> and if there's nothing you can do about it, it's just good to be aware of it. Just to be aware of it and not be holding yourself. I, I remember a, a friend was um, working so hard to get her belly flat as she was just working and working and working and working and didn't realize she was pregnant and (laughs) that made a lot of difference (laughs) you know some of these things you just have to be aware of um so um, home and work environment what what were some of the main things that you needed to change in your home or work environment in order for you to lose and, and maintain that weight loss um, well, one thing was when my kids moved out so that they weren't uh, always ordering pizzas and having leaving stuff on their plates. But but I had to I had already made the decision before the last ones moved out. But I think that we don't buy like we used to. Yeah. We just don't we don't fix a big casserole, and so literally when we go to eat, we order one entree. So that was something, or we order two entrees and we just have them box one up to take home. And the support is, once people know you're serious, they'll support you. The problem was that for 30 years, I kept saying, okay, I mean it. I'd have a family council. Okay, I mean it, you guys. Now, I'm starting Weight Watchers. I'm paying this amount of money, and I'm gonna, and I want you guys to support me. Okay, Mom, we will, we will. Honest, we will. And three days in, I mean, they no candy, nothing. They would be so supportive. Oh, good job, Mom, good job. Come on, let's go for a walk. Well, three days in, then I'd fall off the wagon and and eat something. And so then they were confused. Well, is she serious or isn't she serious? How can we support her if she's in there eating Oreos? And um, because she doesn't want us to yell at her. And I think that that goes clear back to making that decision. And and a decision is a definite one. Okay, this is this is it. No more. No more. It's not an if and or but. It's this is what we're going to do. I have to play a little bit of a devil's advocate with you here um, because oh. that commitment that you make, like the, the one you're talking about to Weight Watchers and then it lasted three days. I mean, I've had similar times in my life where I am so committed, so committed. I have made a decision. I am so committed. And within a short period of time, I find myself very uncommitted. <laughs> but I really <laughs> have been committed. <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah, do you have anything to say to that? Um, well, I think that uh, – I think that you really, you can't just, uh, I don't know, I think you can't just go into this lightly. This is, and it depends on what your end goal is. With me, the motivation was I had four cousins get diabetes the same, uh, you know, within two months. And so it was like, it isn't a question of of when I'm going to get, or, or if I'm going to get diabetes, it's a question of when I am. And so you know what, really Judy, we're going to stop you. We're going to stop you right there, and we're going to come back and talk about that pivotal point, and uh, about more things here. We're going to talk about um, choosing the best process, setting reasonable goals, establishing ongoing motivation, and some more stuff. Right after the break, we'll be right back. Okay. Do you ever need speakers for dinners, retreats, conferences, or other women's events? Check out www.womenspeakers.com. It's the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,500 Christian women speakers, some near you, and some from every level of experience and fee range you can imagine. So you're sure to find lots of great speaker options for you and your next event over at www.womenspeakers.com. That's Women Speakers. The fastest and easiest way to find out which major women's events are coming to your area is to visit www.womensevents.info. That's womensevents.info. It's the only directory of its kind, and it features all of the major events like Women of Faith, Beth Moore, E-Conference Women, and so many others. It's free to search, and you can find it all at womensevents.info. 
Well, hi, and welcome back. We're visiting today with Judy Helm-Wright of artichokepress.com. That's www.artichokepress.com. You can learn more about her over there. She's Auntie Artichoke to many, and she's a wise woman who's sharing with us her insights as to how we can align our intakes with our goals when it comes to eating. We are having a great conversation here about some of the underlying causes of excess poundage. And now we're going to talk about pivotal points. Judy, you had just started before break to tell us a little bit about a pivotal point in your life. And go ahead and go ahead and tell us that now. Okay, but before I forget, I I have to jump back up here to medicine. Just real okay. quick because I don't want to forget to tell you this. I I was so um, disciplined and and really had my eye to the goal until we were traveling and and I got my doctor gave me Ambien to take to sleep while we were traveling because it's hard sometimes for me to sleep in hotels. Well, I started using that and what I found was I sleep eight. So this is a real heads up to your listeners that when we were at home. My husband would, I go to bed early and my husband would go in the kitchen and there I would be making a full sandwich or um, grilling a steak or eating a jar of peanut butter. And he would say, what are you doing? And I would carry on a full conversation with him, put it down, put it away, go back, climb into bed. And the next morning he would ask me about it and I would say, oh, I would never do that. I don't even like. Yeah, and so wow. we talked to a pharmacist about it, and she said that's very, very common with Ambien. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, oh, that is we, good to know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is. We switched off, wow. I switched off that thought, ah, that, that goes with sleep debt, too. If, if your listeners are, have a sleep debt, don't go on Ambien because wow. you'll be eating in the middle of the night. They'll wake up, and there will be cracker crumbs in the bed. Oh, no. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Oh, my so. goodness. Well, good to know. Good to know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maximize uh, pivotal pain points. I think that um, we never do anything. Psychologists tell us that we don't, we would never get off our fanny if it wasn't to gain a reward or avoid a penalty. That's the only two things that move us to do anything is to gain a reward or avoid a penalty. And for me, the penalty was diabetes. I just didn't want that because I am a wise woman. I knew I had a lot that I needed to accomplish in life, and I couldn't do that from a wheelchair. I knew that that it was my destiny to speak to women all over the world and families and write books and and I couldn't do that if my legs were amputated or if I you know if if I had all of the problems I'd seen with my cousins and so that was a major pivotal point but sometimes um it doesn't matter what that pivotal point is you have to have one. Your why has to be big enough that it will be bigger than the Milky Way. Hmm. You actually, at that point, you actually made a decision that um, I know is really hard for people to make. Um, tell us about what you decided to do there. Well, I had tried for 20 years everything under the sun and I, I I because I'm a writer I do tons of research and all of my books are research based but anecdotal because people want to hear stories they don't want to hear statistics and so I did just so much uh, research on the best diets the best things to do the best uh, everything your blood type everything and I made the decision to have gastric bypass not an easy decision, uh, was one that was very prayerfully made. And one of, in part of my research, it showed how many people still don't keep the weight off that actually regain plus weight after they've had a surgical intervention. And I had to really um, prayerfully consider all of that and I I we were talking about maximizing a pivotal pain point and mine came when I was a board member 
for um, a hospice organization, and they invited me to come to a volunteer night. And it was 7 o'clock, and so I assumed that I should have dinner first. And so I ate a full dinner at our house, then drove to the board meeting or this big volunteer thing, and, and they had a lot more people show up than they had anticipated. And when you walk in, it was this huge buffet of Mexican food, which is by far and away my favorite. And so I thought, oh, my gosh, I just finished eating, but I'm not going to turn down Mexican food. And so I went through that whole line and then um, was kind of in a little corner there with a chair that had arms on either side. And we were kind of crowded up. And the master ceremonies got up and started welcoming everyone, and he said, and we're so grateful that these board members have shown up tonight. Obviously, they didn't usually, I guess. And and so he said, uh, Judy Wright, could you stand up and introduce yourself? Well, I couldn't get out of the chair. I was lodged in the chair, and and so the guy on the other side had to hold one of the arms, and I had to push on the other arm, and I stood up and smiled and then sat back down and and I said to myself there is not a physical pain in the world that would equal the emotional pain I just went through none none that was so humiliating that and and I didn't I, you know I'm big on assuming responsibility there was no one to blame but me because i made i made a really bad choice not in sitting in a chair with arms on it but eating a, a full another dinner just because it was there and so i, I that was like um god smacking me upside the head and saying okay really really how much could how much could an operation hurt or or how much would you have to go through in order to make this work for you and that was um that was it that was it it was i took all of my uh, my research i called probably 30 people i made all of these lists and then uh, i found a doctor and have never looked back you know i just want to I just want to first of all commend you for taking taking that action and I want to remind our listeners about this we had Tony Harrison a couple of years ago and and she talked about her having a gastric uh, bypass and her husband didn't and um and he was dead within 2 years he was dead and she's still just awesome you know mm-hmm. and it's like it's like mm-hmm. it's such a hard decision to make but if that's the right decision then that's the right decision and and for those of you listening when you hit a pivotal pain point when you come to a position where you're ready to really make that decision and to take some positive action, don't let other people tell you that mm-hmm. the action you're taking is the wrong action or that you shouldn't do it. You should really listen to your heart. We're going to talk about that next here, about choosing the best process for you. And there's five components that I would encourage you to um, consider. First is ex- your experience, what what has and hasn't worked for you in the past, your budget, what you can afford, um, your flexibility. I mean, if you if you are in a situation where you have to be um, doing certain things at certain times, you, you need to have a system that's going to work with you, the balance, so that you're not becoming, you know, like you can't just starve yourself to death. You have to be balanced about it. And then your enjoyment. You should find something about the new process that's enjoyable, even if it's not necessarily the food. It could be it could be the um, the actual result that's the enjoyment. Judy, when mm-hmm. you think of when you think of a person choosing the best process for them, and I know you you have your own experience, but you've also seen other people um, yeah. struggle with this and actually succeed with this. Uh, what are, what are your insights here into this? How do, how does a person go about choosing the best process? Well, and I, I think I have friends who have lost uh, an equal amount on Jenny Craig. I have found friends that have lost an equal amount on, on Weight Watchers. 
whatever it is, it you are exactly right. You need to make that decision. And the budget for um, one friend who decided to go gastric bypass, she said, isn't it interesting? I I really considered buying a new car. And she said, because my other car, the driver's seat was, uh, you know, how they kind of get worn down a little bit when you're you're real heavy. And she said, so I was going to buy a new car. And I thought, well, isn't that silly? I'm willing to invest in a vehicle to move my body around. Should I maybe just invest in my body? <laughs> right, right, good. I love that. Actually, uh, my husband and I, about a year and a half ago, coming on to two years now, we started a, a new eating plan that, that ends up to be pretty much vegan, which is shocking to us because we were both real meat eaters and, um, you know, just kind of a more typical American diet that um, was what we were doing, and we were presented with some information that really got our attention and changed our mind about what we were putting in our mouths, the exact kind of food. And it's interesting because so many people say to us now, oh, it's so expensive it's you know, to eat vegan, and um, it, you know, it's a very, very time-consuming, so expensive. And, and we don't find it that way. At first we did because we were trying to mix both both styles, um, traditional American with vegan. But when you're just eating vegan, it really isn't that much more expensive um, than eating the other way. But the whole time when we were in the middle zone where we were experimenting with it, whenever people would say that to me, I would always just say, okay, well, this might be, you know, 20 or $30 more a week to eat this way, but one heart surgery is $100,000. You know I mean? One right. plus is right. not only $100,000, but it is torture. <laughs> it's really, I mean, you would never want anybody to have to go through that, let alone decide to put yourself through it to save $30 a week on groceries. So a lot of it is how we're thinking about this, what we're valuing, isn't it? Well, it really is. And, and one of the things that we did, we challenged our kids and, and our grandkids with, uh, sent them all pedometers and challenged them to walk mm-hmm. 10,000 steps. And that's, that was a hard one for me because I'm in my office writing. It's easy for my husband and, because he likes to walk the dog and, and golf and bowl and stuff. But for me it was hard, and I thought, okay, what can I reward myself with? I used to reward myself with uh, licorice or chocolate. And so then I started walking for 10,000 steps, and I would reward myself with a dollar lottery ticket, one of those scratch-off ones. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I probably once every 25 I would win a dollar or something. I mean, it wasn't, it, wasn't exa- it wasn't a gambling thing. It was more like there's another reward that you can get. And, and with that reward, there's a chance you could win. Yeah, and with um, licorice, you know darn well you're not going to win. <laughs> you're going to lose every time. That's so funny. I, I know. I was thinking. I was thinking yesterday, and, and there are so many things. And I used to look at those long lists of things that you could do instead of eating. And I used to kind <laughs> of stick my nose up in the air at them a little bit and say, you know, it's just not the same. And Mm-mm. part of that is just the stuckness. You know, I mean, you're just stuck in a stuck in a thinking mm-hmm. process. But one of the things that I've just started doing just in this week um, was when I want to have something that is a little less healthful than what I really want, um, and in that moment I'm just thinking of it, it's just to just to attach the phrase to it that is this going to increase my stress level or decrease my stress level to have this right now? Because a lot of times we'll grab food thinking that it's a stress reliever, kind of just a nice perk or whatever, that this is going to increase my delight and my enjoyment in life when the actual reality is the exact opposite of what we've attached to that particular thing. Um, and it takes a little time to get the mind around that. Well, and, and in fact, I had that too. About 3 in the afternoon, if things were going really well, I would be kind of relaxed. If they weren't going really well, I'd be kind of stressed to the max. If I couldn't get Facebook to work and I couldn't get... Um, you know, the software to work. And just recently, I went to my uh, natural food store and I bought this thing called Herbal Calm. And it's essentially the same thing as valerian, but it's just a, a little essential oil. And I just have it in my afternoon tea. And so I think, oh, that's, that's something that I can do that will calm me down and that will uh, uh, give me energy 
but allow me to not go in and use my old habits of grabbing three cookies and, um, you know, a loaf of bread. Right, right. I've found an alternative. We're going to come right back and talk about setting reasonable goals. We'll be right back. Okay. Successfully maximizing the gifts God has given us is the best gift that we can give back to God. Are you 100% clear about why you're here, about how God defines success for you personally? Are you on track with God's plan for your life? the best life on planet Earth, followed by the best possible eternity for you? If not, check out the Success Principles Intensive Training course over at Marnie.com. It's a six-hour online program that will change how you define and do your life from today forward. It's a biblically-based approach to goal-setting and achievement. So check it out under the Training tab at Marnie.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and we are having a delightful conversation today with Judy Helm-Wright of www.artichokepress.com. Judy's an author, a speaker, an encourager, and she trains, she loves to train respect, resiliency, and responsibility. She's here with us today talking about how to align our food intake with our goals. We want to spend this next little bit here, Judy, talking about setting reasonable goals, because this is where... I believe this is where a lot of my own frustration has come in the years uh, past, where I would just set such um, big goals. And then if I couldn't lose enough weight fast enough, I would get discouraged right away and throw in the towel and it's not working anyway. And uh, what is your own personal experience with that? And I have not been to Weight Watchers in a while, so I, I don't know. And I know it's successful for many people, but I'm 5'8". And I've had six children, and um, and I'm not I'm not big bones, even though I I like to play like I am. But they told me that my my goal should be 141 pounds, and I thought I I wasn't 141 pounds when I was a sophomore in high school. That's not realistic for me. When I feel good, uh, when when I feel like what my spirit looks like. I'm at about 160 pounds. That's just, a, and sometimes I go higher. Right now I'm at 172, so I need to um, do some more walking, do some more yoga, making some more wise choices. But I let that number discourage me. And so when I wanted to set goals, my goals have always been flexible, healthy, and um, in and to be the one that's in charge. But what I set as my goal was a pair of size 10. Um, oh, you buy them at, at Shopco. They're uh, cowboy jeans, but, you know, just size 10. That was what I wanted. And and now I go from size 10 to size 12, but I feel more comfortable. And when I was losing weight... When I got to 168 pounds, it's like my spirit said to me, welcome home. Hmm. Welcome home. And I thought, yes. And and those people that I have known, including my own daughters and, and my mother, have a set weight that's healthy for them. Right. And it, it may not be the metropolitan insurance thing. And it, it may be, Marnie, that you're... Your set gate, your set, what your spirit weighs, or, or what you're supposed to be, is ten, fifteen pounds higher than what um, Metropolitan Life Insurance says. Right. It is exactly. for me. Yep. It is for me. I think this has been a huge, a huge struggle, and a lot of, um, a lot of people that lose weight, they're they're really even when they get to a weight that's even maybe lower than they thought they were going to. They're still not happy with their body. This is not how they wanted to look. Um, the goal was to look like a model in a magazine or, you know, whatever whatever like that. And it's disappointing. It's disappointing when the goals aren't reasonable, when they're not um, set, set on something that's achievable and, and sustainable. And what would you say to the person who arrives at um, really a very good, healthy 
body weight for them and is unsatisfied with that? I would say readjust what you're looking for because it isn't – the numbers on the scale, I, I never weigh unless I go to the doctor. That's how I know I weigh 172 right now is because I went to the doctor the other day and I thought, huh, I'll be darned. Hmm, better do something a little bit because I because you need to readjust what you want. Do you want flexible? That's attainable. Do you want uh, healthy? That's attainable. Do you want perfection? You're not going to get it. Yeah. You're just not because your your bone structure is such, your body is such that that number on the scale shouldn't have nothing to do with your self-esteem. It's an arbitrary number, and we have a daughter who's a CPA, and she likes to say, you know, money isn't real. They're just little teeny hash marks on a <laughs> on a piece of paper. There's not real money there. And and I think that's the way it is with weight, too, is that we have this ideal um, number in our mind, and that isn't true. In fact, I reflect back in my old pre-dieting days, the day and a half that I weighed 141. I can tell you what I was wearing. We were living in Colorado Springs. And I was able to sustain that for a day and a half. And then it went to 142 and then 143 and on back. And I thought, then that wasn't my set weight. That wasn't what I was supposed to weigh. That was an artificial set point that that I had in my mind that that's what I was supposed to weigh. And, and then when I went to Weight Watchers and they said, no, you really should, I thought, no, I shouldn't. That's. That's not what my body should weigh. And so, you know, I, I think that sometimes um, as women and men, we sabotage ourselves. And my husband has talked about how he does really good on protein shakes, which are, are vegan sometimes and sometimes they're not, but does really good on doing these things until we go on a trip. And then he calls it travel trash. <laughs> and stop in the convenience store and you come out with Fritos and a Dr. Pepper and a bag of licorice and M&Ms. And it's like somewhere in our mind it says there's two different realities. There's the reality of, of what we do every day and then there's this false reality of what we do when we're on trips. And so we we have come to recognize it and realize, hmm, better <laughs> better change that reality because it isn't serving us well at all. And that's the next thing is establish ongoing mo- motivation. And part of that is um, ongoing when we go on trips now. Let's not go in the convenience store. Yeah, that's my my daughter did quite a bit of traveling this summer, and she's she's just at such a great goal weight for her right now. And um, she had that was her that was her message that she put out on a blog was, you know, why go in? Don't go in. Just now we have the luxury of paying at the pump. You don't even have to right. go in. It's such, right. such a gift to not even have to go in. And really, there's nothing in there for for mm-hmm. you. <laughs> it really, unless you're using the bathroom, there's nothing to do no, in there. There really uh, is. Goals. Let's say now that you decided um, that you decided you wanted to take off maybe eight or ten pounds or whatever. Uh, what would you set as a realistic goal at this point in your life? How would you go about that? Well, I, <laughs> I'm I'm pleased because I have an appointment with the doctor in about three weeks, and so what we said this morning on the way to yoga, let's do it's a it's a product that a, a friend who's a diabetes nurse practitioner sells, and it's called Slim, but it's essentially um, more fiber. Increasing your fiber, increasing your um, the fresh fruits, the fresh vegetables, and and decreasing for us literally decreasing soda. If we just gave up soda, and we probably only drink maybe one soda every other day, but I know that when I talk with other women, especially women who drink a lot of soda. 
it, it tends to, um, the carbonation tends to stretch their stomach, and it also just bloats them. And so just giving up soda is enough that probably when I go, I will have lost three or four pounds. Yeah, and and I think that I think it's just so important to not. Um, I I guess I have two thoughts in my head right now with the setting reasonable goals, and we need to move on here. But um, one of them is that I'm so pleased with shows that are on, like Biggest Loser, and um, I mentioned one earlier that the UK does the um, skinnies against heavyweights and like that. I'm I'm really pleased with these shows and with the very much uh, with the YouTube channels and different ways that we can see we can find actually people like you judy who have actually taken weight off and kept it off because for all of mm-hmm. many years i'd say for probably for sure three decades um we were told that you know only 20 percent of people who start on a diet can lose the weight and only five percent of those who succeed can keep it off and what we're seeing now is that, that those numbers aren't really true anymore uh, more people are able to lose weight and more people are able to keep it off. And that's to me, that's really an encouragement. Um, but then the, the flip side of that is that it makes it look like the biggest loser. Like sometimes they're losing 10 pounds a week or whatever, and it makes it look like that's what we should all be able to do. But in order for them to do that, they're working out you know, five to eight hours a day. <laughs> they, right. I mean, they are, that, that's their full-time job, so that's not reasonable for the average person. No, and I have to tell you, as an, an early childhood educator, I, I can't stand those reality shows because it almost sets up a, a, a bullying situation. Okay, yeah. who are we going to pick on this week? Okay, right. everybody's going to get together and we're going to do this. So I don't watch them. I, I, it makes me feel uncomfortable. And it makes me feel like um, instead of being supportive to one another, that they need, I don't know. They're competing against my daughter likes that. I just don't like the bullying part, the uh, we're, all, we're all right and you're wrong kind of thing. I would rather, I would rather in, and this was something I think that establishing ongoing motivation is I never was in competition with anyone else. Yeah. Ever. Because whenever you compare yourself to someone else, you always lose because you see them at their best and you see you at your worst. So that was one of the decisions that I made is I'm not going to be in competition with anyone else. I, I hated that aspect of Weight Watchers of going and feeling like a loser or a winner or how could you have only lost this much? And and I'm not picking on Weight Watchers because I have a lot of friends who do very well with that motivation. But I didn't. I did not do well. And I thought uh, the only one that I should be even concerned with in the least is me. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it, it, it really, yeah. I'm very much I'm very much built like you too. I I I am very much a non-competitor when it comes to needing to have somebody be better than someone else. I'm, I'm just not that way. But yet I'm very, very competitive with myself. I want to right. do better. I want to um, go as far as I can and a little farther and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, again, you guys, it's back to what is the m- best process for you. And you need to really right. look at how what motivates you. Um, maybe, Judy, you can answer this question, too. For me, I am always motivated by the carrot. You put something out in front of me, a, a reward, and I will just perform like nothing. But if you have a stick behind me swatting me in the back, you know, the, the punishment, if I don't make it, that just shuts me down. How is it for you, Judith? Well, exactly the same thing. And in, in fact, uh, the, the um, picture that comes into my mind right now is standing in front of the customer service uh, <laughs> counter at Albertson's uh, counting my steps because I was only at 9,500. Oh. <laughs> and, and counted my steps until I got to 10,000 and then I said, "Okay, now I would like one of the, you know, the scratch-off tickets for a dollar." And she gave it to me and I put it in my pocket and walked home. But uh, yeah, it really was a motivator for me that uh, I would be able to accomplish that uh, 10,000 steps that day. And I, which, you know, I'm like everyone, we need sometimes a kick in the rear end. I'm thinking, huh, why don't I do that again? 
I'm trying to take off a little bit of weight. Why don't I dig out that pedometer? The battery went dead, and so I never did fix it. I'll, I'll dig that out. But, but we do need some why or, or we won't do anything. Like I said before, psychologists have shown that we either do something to gain a reward or avoid a penalty. And, um, I, I mean, everyone in the world wants to be a pianist, but no one wants to practice the piano. Wants to practice, right. <laughs> right, yep. you know. Yep. Now, um, let's go ahead and talk about mantras a little bit. I am a, I am a big uh, fan of, I call them catchphrases, and that's mm-hmm. the reason I do is because they catch on in my head, and I just say them a lot. And I have a new one now, like I was telling you earlier, this week I have a new catchphrase for times when I have to make an eating decision, like food will come to my mind and I'm not even hungry and it's not even, you know, and yet I'm thinking of eating something and I've just started to say, will this increase or decrease my stress? Because Mm -hmm. actually I really love being at peace. I I love living at peace and I... I, um, I tie on my shoes a piece every morning that it talks about in the Bible, and, and then I just go through my day, and if I ever lose my piece, I'm checking right away to see how come I lost my piece. But sometimes in the past I would eat food because I would feel like it was going to make me feel more peaceful, but actually in the end it just increased my stress. So what is a mantra or two that you use? Well, one is I'm a flexible, focused uh, woman. Hmm. I'm very healthy. I am I am very flexible. Flexible to me um, just denotes balance. And as as you mentioned, my latest book is Out of Balance: um, How to Be a Bounce Back Person. But it is absolutely impossible to be completely balanced. What you want to be is flexible. Be like the willow tree that you bend and yeah. and that you move back and forth. And so flexibility to me. It means that we have the choice. We can bend but not break. And so um, when I'm faced with the refrigerator and and like the – I was talking earlier about how we divide a sandwich. And so now I'm starting to get hungry. What I keep in the refrigerator is deli turkey. And it's, I don't know, on sale it's – the six ninety nine a pound, which is expensive. It's you know pretty up there, but I get a half a pound of it. And so when I um, get the munchies right now, I go in and get a piece of turkey, a piece of deli turkey, throw some cranberry mustard on it, and roll it around a piece of stick cheese. I don't have any idea how many calories it is. Don't have any idea what it you know what it entails and I'm not going to count them and I'm not going to figure out nutritionally I know that it has protein and that it has calcium and that it satisfies me mm-hmm. and the sharpness of the cranberry mustard is like a woo I just got something good something really yeah. good yeah and that's enough to help me to last until dinner and um, so is Six ninety nine a pound. So what is that? Seven. That's three fifty a pound. Um, I don't know how much chocolate is, but I'm guessing it's a whole bunch more than six ninety nine a pound. Right, and it's and not giving you any of the nutrition that you're getting. Oh, and so if you have um, deli sliced turkey or deli sliced ham, then that's something that you can grab very quickly. And um, if you like carrots, and I do, and I like snap peas, but I also like to wrap it with a piece of meat because I need I need that protein. And I know you said you guys were going vegan, and uh, so for you that may be a part of a protein bar at that point, or yeah. a, a protein milkshake. I like how what you're talking about is. Um, Mantras of, uh, I would say the physical mantra as well as the mental mantra. There's some mantras that you're mm-hmm. just doing in your head, catchphrases that you say. But what you're talking about here is a habit that you do. So if you are hungry at that time of day, this is what I do. And what's beautiful about these mantras or these habits is that they come without um, 
without investing additional energy or resources to them, they just come naturally. You don't have to decide every day at 3 o'clock what I could eat now when I'm starving to death. Instead, you just know, oh, I know what I, if I'm starving at 3 o'clock, I always do this. And you know that it's okay with you and it doesn't add to your stress. In fact, it reduces your stress and it allows you to enjoy your supper because you didn't overeat. All these things, there's, a, there's another mantra that I use in my head, which is just a reminder that if I eat this today, I'm going to want it tomorrow. Um, and, and that's like back to the yeah. chocolate one. Uh, there are foods that are very addictive in nature. Uh, sugar is very addictive in nature. Carbonated uh, beverages are very addictive. And if you have very one today, you, you really want to have it again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting mm-hmm. if you haven't had it for three, four days, you really don't, your cravings aren't very big for it. You might think of it, but it's not like the same as when you're having it every day, every day, every day. So one of the ones I like to say to myself in the moment is, uh, if you have this today, you'll be hungry for it again tomorrow. You know, and then I'll have, I'll have choices again to make tomorrow, where sometimes it's just easier to just skip it today and then not have to worry about the choices tomorrow. Let's go ahead and talk a moment about a realistic exercise routine. We already touched on this earlier in the program. Uh, Judy, uh, you do yoga a couple times a week. I do uh, swimming three times a week and then run a couple times a week. Um, what if if you were going to talk to someone who right now is 100 pounds overweight or let's say even more than that, they haven't been doing any exercise, what would be your number one recommendation for them to get started? Well, and you know what? I'm going to bring this clear back to when you get up in the morning, you um, the first thing you do is usually go to the bathroom, no matter whether you're in Afghanistan or you're in Indiana or you're in Wisconsin or Michigan or wherever, and then you brush your teeth. And that's called automatic action. You don't even think about it. But just now when I talked about brushing your teeth, I bet you and Max and everyone in the audience ran their, their tongue over their uh, over their teeth and thought, ooh, did I brush my teeth this morning? And the thing is, is that you do that without thinking. Right. And what we want to get into is we want to get into an exercise or an activity or a food choice, turkey, deli turkey in the refrigerator, that is an automatic action. And when I work with parents, I I help them to teach their kids to do habits and rituals so that it becomes automatic action. And just like the automatic action of getting in the car and then it's travel trash, you change that. So I think for someone who is sitting in a chair with arms on it and they can't get up easily and they're embarrassed – in front of their colleagues, embarrassed in front of their friends, then I think what they can do is they can get out of the chair and when they when they get home and they're humiliated and they're embarrassed and they're feeling awful, they can make a choice. And it, it may not be the definitive choice to lose 100 pounds, but it might be the choice, oh, that really hurt my feelings. I am not going to have ice cream to make me feel better because it doesn't. I am going to um, walk around the block and really process my feelings and not turn towards food as a soother because a lot of times, for many of us, we crave comfort food. It isn't the food we're craving. It's the comfort and so we need to find something else that makes us feel good. And now we've been doing yoga enough that we it's an automatic action. It just it doesn't it, we just we just plan our calendars every Tuesday and Thursday from 9 to 10. Yeah. And and so whatever that exercise is if if you're in a position and I've been there and done that maybe what it is is Quit wearing, um, quit wearing sweatpants. Maybe that's all you need to do is to say, okay, I need to acknowledge that I am a beautiful woman and that as a beautiful woman, I will take care of myself. And I take care of myself by walking around the block twice every night. Yeah. Yes. I, well, this is this is Marty Swedberg, and we are at the end of our hour. Judy, thank you 
so wow, much for how did being here. Happen? I know, it just flew by. You guys, you want to check out her website at artichokepress.com. She's got lots of great stuff over there for you, and uh, I just am so grateful that you could be here today. Thanks, Judy. Thank you. Bye, Marnie. Bye-bye, and thank you, everybody, for coming today, and we'll see you again next time. Have a great afternoon. Bye-bye. 